Father, we thank you for your word that is here tonight. You're here. Holy Spirit, we submit our hearts, our thoughts and everything to you right now. And I believe, God, that you've got a word that's very clear and very specific for each person here tonight. I believe that you've got something to say because you're a God who speaks. It may be different for each of us, but you've got something significant for all of us, that all of us are going to walk out knowing that tonight you've spoken a word into our heart. And I thank you that your word transforms us, that your word changes us, that it washes us, that it cleanses us, that God, as we continue to be doers of the word, not hearers only, that we'll see transformation in our life and change. And we thank you for that tonight in the precious name of Jesus. All right. Now, this is really going to show your age, people, okay? But who knows the movie Gone with the Wind? Okay, all the older people, okay? Um, Maybe The Wizard of Oz. Got a few hands for The Wizard of Oz. Uh, You know, these are classed as classics, all right? Now, for Rob, who's um, actually sick, he's not here tonight. But for him, a classic movie for him, which still makes me laugh, is actually um, The Sound of Music. He loves the Sound of Music. His mum bought it for him on DVD, okay? And I'm like, you don't need DVD, honey, okay? Um, but maybe for you, depending on your age, it actually could be that a classic is like Rocky or it's Legally Blonde or it is The Fast and the Furious, something like that. But classic movies, they stand the test of time is what they do. And it's said actually in definition about a classic movie or a classic book that everybody has heard of it but nobody's actually read it. Okay, so we can know some movies and books that are classics, that are old. We've heard of it but we may not actually have ever seen it or even read about it. Now, who has heard of a very classic one um, from back in 1886 and then it was in a book first and then it was released in a movie in 1931, Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde. Come on, who knows that? (gasps) See, some people don't know it, right? It's like Jeremiah didn't know it when I was asking him today. And so That's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, okay? That's actually from the movie from back in 1931. Um, But maybe you've heard, sometimes you may hear people sort of say, you know, or they're like a Jekyll and Hyde. It's It's that sort of type of thing there. But see, Dr. Jekyll, right? He's a chemist and he's a fine, upstanding citizen and he's frustrated because on the inside of him there's like this bad part And there's this good part and the bad part always holds on to and controls that good part in him. And Dr Jekyll makes this potion that separates the good guy in him from the bad guy. And of course, the good guy is out during the day and the bad guy is out during the night. Now, you've got to understand back in 1886, this was a horror book. Okay, (laughs) the problem was for Dr. Jekyll that he actually underestimated how evil Dr. Hyde, uh, Mr. Hyde was. 
Mr. Hyde, he lied, he stole, he was angry, he was vengeful and he murdered. And during the movie, Dr. Jekyll says, I was tenfold more wicked than I ever thought. I'm sure that most of us actually can sort of relate to that thought in some way. I know I definitely can. That there's a part of me that totally wants to do the right thing and another part, if I be truly honest, doesn't want to do the right thing. All right? I know, Mum, I'm sorry. I've actually admitted it, okay? My mum's up there. <laughs> but it's, it's this sense of going... I know, actually, I know that it's not just me. Come on, everyone. I know that it's, you know, it's all of us here. And not only can we relate to that, but actually the thing is, Paul in the Bible relates to this so incredibly. And this is what I love about the Bible because it extends past every generation and time and culture and everything. And we see in Romans chapter 7, verses 14 to 15, and this is the Apostle Paul and what he says. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself and I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. This is what we see in the Bible and I think all of us would agree that actually we feel the same. And we see from Paul, it's this sense of going, actually, Paul, we can hear you. We understand what you're saying because he's saying, people, the trouble's with me. He's saying, I'm way too human. It's like I'm I'm flesh and I'm bones and I'm carnal. I'm a slave to sin. He's, he's been told, you know, he's been sold into slavery and under the control of sin. And he's saying, I actually do not understand myself. I don't understand because I want to do what is right, but I don't. I want to live for the king and his cause at this level up here, but I don't always do it. I hate sin, but I still do it. I want to do righteousness, but there's something in me that continues to oppose it. Instead, I do what I hate. I do what I despise. I do what I loathe because there's these sinful desires that are in me. I love, it's very quiet in here, everybody, okay? Thank, thanks, thanks, right? My, I, maybe I'm just preaching to myself tonight, but pretty sure I'm not, right? Romans, I love it in the Amplified Bible. It says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm a creature of the flesh. He's saying, I'm carnal, I'm unspiritual, having been sold into slavery under the control of sin. For I do not understand my own actions. I'm baffled, bewildered. I do not practice or accomplish what I wish, but I do the very thing that I loathe, which my moral instinct condemns. Do you feel sometimes like a creature of the flesh? carnal and unspiritual 
I know sometimes I'm totally baffled and bewildered at some of the things that I do, at some of my actions. And here's Paul, the Apostle Paul, a mature Christian, the one who wrote more of the New Testament than any other author, and he's baffled and bewildered at himself and how he sins. Sort of so glad he didn't meet me, right? But here what he's saying is, I don't want to do these things, but I actually just keep on doing them. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, so now it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin that dwells within me. He's talking about himself here like he's got a split personality. Or you could even say, because he's saying, well, actually, it's not me that's doing it. It's that one over there. And it's this sense of him going, actually, I've got someone else to blame. That's pretty handy, really, isn't it? You know, I'm no longer the one who's doing the sinning. How can he say that? How can he say that? Psalm 97.10 says that we should hate evil. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 25 through to chapter 5 verse 20 gives a list of sins and it includes some of these things. Lying, stealing, foul and abusive language, bitterness, rage, harsh words, slander, evil behaviour, obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, sexual immorality, impurity, greed, drunkenness. And we see in Ephesians 5.4, what it says is, these are not for you. Then it goes on to say, don't participate in these things people do. And it goes on even further. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Do you know in that list, I can see myself. I can see things in there that I do. But Paul goes on even further in Romans chapter 7 and he says that there's nothing good that dwells in him. Nothing good. In verse uh, uh, verse 18, he says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me. It's sort of not really looking very positive at this point, right? That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. He's just turned it up a whole notch. Not only am I too human, too fleshly and too carnal and a slave to sin, but actually nothing good even lives in me anyway. So don't just think about the physical here of what we're talking about because really when we look at it, this is the totality of our sinful nature a no good fleshly slave to sin. Apart from Jesus, how much good is in this flesh? None. There is no good in my flesh. And that's the reality of it. It sounds like a battle that we're actually losing, really. And sometimes it can feel like a battle that you're losing. But we can, now we can certainly do things that are kind. 
We can certainly do things that are good and that are noble, but apart from Christ, our hearts are fully corrupt. Something that I read, it said, sin is today um, what Sangster, which is the author, would call a blurred word. It has lost its sharp edges. It has, in fact, almost disappeared from popular speech. We hear much of vice and a great deal about crime, but sin has practically been dropped from the popular vocabulary. And then we have um, Charles Spurgeon, and he talks about this passage, and he says that this is the believer's riddle. We hate sin, and yet, alas, alas, we fall into it. We would live perfect lives if we could, we that are renewed. We would make no justification for our sin. It is evil and abominable. Yet, do we find these two things warring and fighting within us? Yes, we do. Romans 7, continuing on verses 19 to 21, Paul says, I wanted to... He really you know, pushes the point here through this chapter. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want... This is like a tongue twister a bit, isn't it, really? That's what it feels like. So, um, but if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that's doing it, that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Because the war, he says, is actually in our mind. And he goes on to say in verse 22, I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. I love the beginning part of that verse because he says there in 22, I love God's law with all my heart. And I know that most of us are sitting here that we love God's law with all of our heart. But yet we have that battle and we have that war that is within us. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your soul. And then in verse 24 in Romans 7, Paul says, it's like he's doing this call out and he goes, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And he goes on to say, so he's talking about the challenge that we all have. This war that we have, this nature that is within us, this slave to sin that is within us. And he goes on to say in verse 25, thank God the answer is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. 
Timothy Keller says about this passage. He said, actually, it's the battle that we can't lose because Jesus is the answer. It's a battle that we can't lose. The cross reveals to us the power of God to be able to conquer sin in our life. The blood of Jesus, the Bible tells us, cleanses us from all sin in 1 John 1, 7. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, what great news, cleanses us from all sin. And verse 9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and he is just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. That is the best news you're going to hear today. Jesus brings us near to God. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus. We see that Jesus as well, that he purges the sin from our life. It tells us in Hebrews 9. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. By us accepting Jesus into our life, he finished the work for us. It sanctifies us. It gives us a position in him that we can take a first step and know that's how we're going to live a holy life is because Jesus is the answer to that slave of sin that is in my life. Because when you think about it, in uh, Romans seven seventeen, where Paul says, so I am not the one doing wrong. It actually doesn't make sense that he's saying that. But he's saying that because since he has known Christ, since he has been transformed by Jesus, since he has come to him, he can know and say along with us, 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and a new life has begun. The challenge we have though is this. Okay. This is a brown snake skin. Yeah, look, it's eyeballs. It's like it's pretty good, isn't it? Jeremiah found it, right? The challenge we have is actually that we think because we're Christians now that we've shared everything and left it over there. That's not the case. We live in a war. We live in a place we're still living in this body. And not until we go to meet Jesus... Or he comes back and meets us. Will this happen? So in the meantime, it's, isn't that awesome? I'm so excited. I'm like, that's so cool. In the meantime, we still live in this. We have two natures that exist within us. It's the new one. It's the real one. It's the one that's saved by Jesus, that was resurrected with him, 
It's that person within me that wants to please my heavenly Father, that wants to fulfill the call of God and His will over my life and to live a holy life that glorifies Him. It's that person who wants to do right, who wants to serve my King and His cause. But then there's this other nature that I'm still living in. It's that old nature that doesn't want to do what's right, that doesn't care sometimes about pleasing God. That concerns me sometimes when I don't care enough. Who ignores when God's tapping me on the shoulder. Sonia, stop stop doing that. I'm like, well, brushing it off, right? Or he's tapping me on the shoulder. I want you to start this. Stop that. But I live in this place where I've got this other nature who wants to serve itself. Yet there is still this sinful nature and desire within my body. And these two work against each other. The old self doesn't go away. It stays there until we're with Jesus. It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And that Mr. Hyde will try and master you. He will try and control you. He wants to ruin your life. And even though that fleshly, sinful nature raises its ugly head within each of our lives, we do, we realise that that sin... Has, have people noticed, actually, that when you become a Christian, those things you used to do, it's like they don't taste the same. They just don't feel as satisfying as what they used to. Because, see, that's the new nature within us. We don't feel settled. We do it, but we don't feel settled about it or satisfied like we used to. Because that's the new nature that is at work within us. It doesn't satisfy the way it used to. Those sinful cravings, they're not the new you. They're not the renewed you. We see in Romans that the power for change is there, but we have to choose it. We have the power through Christ Jesus to sin or not to sin. We choose. Jesus, I'm not going to sin and you're the answer. You're the answer. I was resurrected with you. I'm holy because of you. I'm going to leave behind a life of evil desires and selfish desires. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, if I had my choice of all the blessings I can conceive of, I would choose perfect conformity to the Lord Jesus or in one word, holiness. Would you make that same choice? Would I make that same choice? A basketball player who was, uh, not basketball, I can tell who my boys are. A baseball player, (laughs) um, evangelist, his name was Billy Sunday back in the early 1900s. He preached Christ that he was the answer and he preached and evangelised as much as possible until his death in 1935 and he would say this, I am against sin, he said. I'll kick it as long as I've got a foot. I'll fight it as long as I've got a fist. I'll butt it as long as I've got a head. I'll bite it as long as I've got a tooth. When I'm old and fistless, footless 
and toothless. I'll gum it till I go home to glory. I like the passion in that, right? I love that there. And it's like, Lord, we'd rather, we'd rather get in that fight and know that actually we're in the fight. But Jesus has already won it for us. See, we're on the winning side. Go to the end of the Bible, people. You see, we're on the winning side. We're a new creation. The old is gone. But we do live in this battle. And that's the reality of it for all of us. We live in a challenging place. We live in a war. But together, I'm just going to ask everybody to stand. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10 says, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes. And I'm going to read that again. It's so beautiful. Put on your new nature. You need to put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Jesus, we want to become like you. And Holy Spirit, I know that there have been people here that battle within their mind, within their actions, within the way that they have lived has been so in their face. But what I love, God, is that out of that passage in Romans 7 and when it comes straight into Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I've got my eyes closed now and I'd like everyone else to as well. But if that's you and you feel as though, God, I've, I feel like I've been overwhelmed with sin. I've been giving into it all the, uh, all the time to that old man. I've not been living as a new creation. You just lift your hand up now to God. It's between you and God. You're acknowledging it with him. If everyone else could please keep their eyes closed. And I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, there's people here now that have their hands up, me along with them, God. Because too often, I live in the old nature. I feel overwhelmed in the battle and the war that wages within my mind. And I give in. And sometimes, God, I just don't even care. And Lord, I come to you tonight. And I pray, Father, that in our hearts, Lord, your word says that if we come to you and confess our sin to you, that you are faithful and just and that you will forgive us of all of our sin. And Lord, I stand here tonight and I know that there's people, God, who want to confess sin to you. And I just encourage you now, you know, within your own personal space there, you confess that sin to God, you ask him to forgive you. 
He comes and he washes you with the blood of Jesus that cleanses you from all sin, all unrighteousness. Lord Jesus, we want to live for a king and his cause, the cause of holiness. That as people look at us, we do not look like the world. We do not act like the world. Where lying is a problem, you'll help us, Lord, to have that broken over our life. Where there's addictions, pornography addictions, sexual impurity addictions, those things, in the name of Jesus, we hand them all over to you. And we repent. Jesus, forgive us. For those who've held on to bitterness and rage in their heart and not forgiven. In the name of Jesus, Father, I ask. I ask for forgiveness, Father, for those things. That where people have held on to sin intentionally and not wanted to deal with it, Holy Spirit, we want to be a people that listens to your voice. We want to be a people that reflects you. We want to be a people that become like you. You can just lower your hands if you've got them up and we continue, Lord, to thank you here in this place that your word is at work within us. That God, this is not a place of condemnation. I've been very real and honest about my own thoughts and feelings. Because Lord, just like Paul, we stand here together. Being slaves to sin, but yet living in the new nature. And I pray that there would be things even right now, Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you, Holy Spirit, drop things into everybody's mind what you want them to work on, what you want them to give up, what you want them to start doing. That, Lord, there's sin that is hidden and you're touching your finger on those things. A sin that nobody knows anything about, but you do, God. And you're not doing this to talk down to anyone. You're doing it because you want to see us free. You want to see us live like Jesus because we've got a world that needs to know who you are. So I thank you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name that we will be a church of people who put on the new nature that will be renewed as we learn to know our Creator and that we become more like Him. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen.